gospel reading, the good news that we read this morning comes from the second book of Kings. We're going to turn to chapter 6 and give some attention to the verses 8 through 23. Second Kings chapter 6. I believe you'll find that on page 367 in your pew edition. is the word of God. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him, and thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And in the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So we sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city, and the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, Please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. 
So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Thus far, let us hear once again the words of verse 16 and 17, when Elisha said to his understudy, uh, do not be afraid for those who are with us, also today, are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. May the Lord so continue to add his blessing. We've heard the public reading of God's word, and now as we seek to submit to the proclamation of this very same word. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you could see all there is to see, what would you see? Say you were perched upon a high mountainside and given the kind of eyesight that does not fail to see anything that could be seen, what would you see? Now indeed, plenty to behold. You would notice all creation in its wonder and splendor. You would notice the the, the beauty of the landscapes, the rugged terrain, the clear blue sky, the bodies of water. Looking a little further, you would see the wonderful colors of the rainbow, that rainbow which speaks of God's covenant promise. You would see men and women scurrying about, so to speak, like little ants, each busy doing what it is they do from day to day. But because you had been given a supernatural ability to see, you would also see the works of darkness mitigate its furies against the principles of light. That is to say, you would, you would see something of the forces of evil that are present seeking to overturn those who hold the word of the triune God near and dear to their hearts. You would see the workers of the devil seeking to, to devour the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you would see heinous, satanic spirits warring against the Holy Spirit. And you would... You would see then the the full force of what we call the antithesis. This morning, by God's grace, by means of his word and spirit, we, in a certain sense, are given that kind of eyesight. The psalmist says, in thy light we see light. Spiritual eyesight, that is. Once again, God's holy word may, may, may take hold of us together here in the congregation, making us see things that we by ourselves would never see. The holy word of God that, that helps us truly see what this life and this world is all about. Many will say to you, seeing is believing. 
But Christians say, believing is seeing. No, we're not going to speculate this morning as to what all these hosts are, are about and how they are presently operating in God's power. We're looking to the word of God that comforts us in all our trials and tribulations. A word that is a power to save and a word that is wise to make us wise to salvation. A word that over and again reminds the believer, the one who trusts in the Lord, that God is near his people, come what may. And to be reminded again together that God fights for his people. To be reminded that God has at his disposal every power to exercise his will. And that he does use the hosts of heaven for his church militant here below. Our scripture lesson begins by describing the conflict between Israel and the Arab world. These conflicts that are present in our own history in the Middle East are are, are nothing new. These are conflicts that have been unfolding for thousands of years. And from our scripture lesson, we determined that the present account does not involve initially a full-scale war, but rather a series of skirmishes. Syrian bands, supported by their king, were in the process of of, uh, conducting a series of strategically planned raids, we might call it guerrilla warfare, into Israel. And in those days, Syria's king was was conducting his campaigns not by, by mobilizing a large army and risking a decisive battle, but by sending these bands on marauding expeditions. Except his plans always failed. It it almost sounds a little humorous to us. The narrator, the Holy Spirit, takes us from one side of the border to the other side of the border. And the plan of attack is set in place. But in the meantime, Elisha, the word bearer, God's prophet, the man of God, sent word to his own king informing him of the enemy's plans. How did Elisha know? Well, you know, it's not for nothing that he was called the the man of God, for it was the Lord who revealed it to him. And again and again, the Syrian army finds Israel's king and his men waiting, as it were, the tables turned upon him. And of course, you can expect this would upset the, the king of Syria terribly. I've been, been undermined again. He was disturbed because every plan he made and every place he went was was discovered by the king of Israel. He, He came to the conclusion, ha, there must be a spy. There must be an informant in the camp. And the chief of staff is called, the chiefs of the staff are called together. This treason must be put to a stop. Which one of you is the traitor? Which one of you is for the king of Israel? Which one of you deserves to die? 
But as the Bible tells us, it was not a matter of treason. The king is told of a certain Elisha, a prophet in Israel who, who knew everything, who even knew what the king said in the secrecy of his bedroom. By now, Elisha was somewhat of an international figure. His witness had spread across the border. He was a, a man of, of, of fame. And remember, we were together a month ago. We, we spoke of, of the cleansing of Naaman and how that report traveled. Now, Elisha is used by the Lord as a gift of grace to his people. There is protection for God's people in what we might consider to our human eyes strange ways. Even though Jehoram, who was the king of the land during this part of Elisha's ministry, had not asked the Lord for such protection, the Lord had granted it. And for the sake of Christ, our Jehovah God loved his people. And he continues to love them with a never-ending love. And he protected them as he protects now his remnants. Now this mercy, this mercy should have brought the king, King Jehoram, to shame. It should have uh, brought him to repentance. Over and again, it is the Lord God who takes the initiative with his people. Uh, do we not read elsewhere in his word, before they call, I will answer. And we may and we must believe in the grace he gives us even before we ask for it. We should ask, but it is there before we even ask. Jehoram did not do so. He sent an army each time at Elisha's word, but he did not submit to the Lord's grace. Foolish man. He just couldn't see. Well, the king of Syria who also couldn't see, was not going to sit still. This, this one that's causing me so much trouble, he needs to be eliminated. The word bearer must be put to death. The word of God must be put to a stop. Oh, he too, a foolish, foolish man to think that the powerful word of God can be silenced even as we have many foolish leaders today who, who give no regard to God's word, who, who believe God's word has no place in, in the, our country at large, foolish men. Well, in this case, a mighty army of horses and chariots are sent for one man. Meanwhile, a small sleepy community, Dothan, lies open to this army on the march. You can hear the, the footsteps in your in your, in your mind's eye. And, and, and in the morning, servant went outside, was probably his custom to do so, and what he saw sent shock waves to his soul. An army, horses, chariots, round about the city, chariots being like our army tanks today, the city completely defenseless. And the servant believes that oh, this is it. We're in deep trouble. There's no hope. What are we going to do now? And once again, the word of God speaks. As the prophet says to his servant, his understudy, fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Do you believe that, congregation? Do you? 
No doubt the servant must have initially thought that Elisha had trouble counting. Uh, Perhaps he thought it was time that Elisha saw the eye doctor. Elisha, what are you talking about? In the meantime, Elisha is praying that all important spiritual weapon, more powerful than we might call an atomic bomb, in a manner of speaking, with respect to Elijah, we remember the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in the account before us, this is the first of several prayers. Lord, he's praying, open, open the servant's eyes that he too may see. And the servant's eyes are opened. Now, he too had eyes to see. He saw something strange, something great, which was not visible to the natural eye. He saw these, these, these mountains that surrounded the village, the city, uh, packed with horses and chariots of fire, all surrounding the prophets. Yes, there was another army, another army on the scene to protect the prophet of God. And congregation, we, we can't just simply pass over these words as a... As a a marvelous account, but we too need to be astounded. You can't go home with and not say, wow. Astounded as to the implications for us today, pilgrims in a spiritual wasteland in a country hostile to the ways of God, we who are often lonely sojourners, heralding the beauties and the truth of Wonderful reformed doctrines of grace. These words have something to say to us. These are words that need to spiritually nourish our souls in believing faith. And so as we, we read the scriptures, not only this portion, but many portions, we, we, we read these words with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength and how we might be strong in the Lord with, with eyes to see. Faith opens our eyes to, to see what, humanly speaking, cannot be seen. Yes, yes the, the Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith opens up to us the vistas of God's purpose and all of grace. And when we have clouded vision, when our eyes are somewhat darkened, we, in the midst of life's perplexities, we, we need to again learn and learn and learn, lift our eyes to the Lord from whence our help comes. The Word of God is filled with many places that refer to the vision of God's people, and I'm thinking at the moment of a portion in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where the apostle has been speaking of treasures and jars of clay. We are the clay The Lord Jesus is our treasure. And he concludes that chapter as it's recorded for us. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, 
our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, think of our persecuted brothers and sisters in the faith in many places in this world. Think of brothers and sisters in this world who are facing uh, difficulties that we can't imagine. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then in the next chapter, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. We're turning back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, aren't we looking forward to it, congregation? Then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall full, know fully, even as I have been fully known. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes. That needs to be our prayer. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. What did the reformers See, what did God let them see to which the church in the Middle Ages had been blinded, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone? They learned to submit to the authority of Scripture alone, called to to the glory of God alone. And Elisha lived in, in such conviction and, and he helped his understand, understood in the same. Yes, the heavens are filled with God's glory. Now this was, uh, is not the first time nor the last time that the Bible speaks to us about fire from heaven, the host of heaven. Chapter 1 of 2 Kings, we read of fire protecting the prophet Elijah from the wicked king Ahaziah. Twice fire from heaven consumed that captain of the army along with 50 soldiers. You remember that accounts. Second one goes, got to come. King says, come. No. The third captain says, please, please, please don't let this happen to me. And it was a chariot of fire and horses of fire that surrounded Elijah as he was brought up by the whirlwind into heaven. And all during the days of Elijah and Elisha, these uh, invisible to our eyes armies were present. But God's prophets, God's word bearer was surrounded by them. The Lord, the God of hosts is on our side. It's the Lord Jesus captain of the army. As the Lord of hosts lives whom I serve, yes, they were in the service of the Lord of hosts, the great and heavenly king. And all through the Bible, we hear of this invisible army 
Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam, as Jude wrote in his epistle in verse 15, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with holy myriads to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness which they had committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him, Yes, even before the flood, they came to execute God's judgments. Jacob. Jacob, who who saw that, that multitude of angels descending and ascending on that wondrous ladder at Bethel. And when he returned to the promised land, he was comforted by the presence of God's angels before going out to meet his brother Esau. And there was Moses. Shortly before his death, he blessed the 12 tribes of Israel, and he speaks of the power of the Lord of hosts and thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. What about Joshua? When he went to inspect Jericho, who did he meet? It was the commander of the army of the Lord. And again, who was that commander? It was the very Lord Jesus himself. Look at Psalm 34 and Psalm 91, and we can read that the angels of God are all around his people and guard them in all their ways. In Psalm 68, which we shall sing, we may sing about a mighty chariot tree, twice, ten thousands, thousands upon thousands. That's for the New Testament we remember that the Lord Jesus told the people who came to arrest him that he could ask God to send him 12 legions of angels. And then we have the Apostle John who heard around the throne of the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads, thousands upon thousands. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? And then let us not forget that beautiful moment in history when our Savior was born, when the multitude of heavenly hosts filled, raised, filled the heavens, raised their voices to sing together glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The hosts, they have been here ever since creation and they are still here and will continue to be here as long as the great battle of the ages last. We cannot see them, but with the eyes of faith. It's easy to, to lose sight of this, but we must not congregation. We think of Ephesians 6, where's our battle? Principalities and powers against these hosts that, that would militate the, the wicked hosts. We need eyes to see, don't we? With the Belgic Confession summarizing the scriptures, we confess that God has created his angels good to be his messengers and to serve his elect. That's beautiful, isn't it? To be sure, some of these angels are fallen from that excellency in which God created them into everlasting perdition. And others have, by the grace of God, remained steadfast. But the devils and the evil spirits are so depraved, continues the Belgic Confession, that they are enemies of God and every good thing to the utmost of their power as murderers watching 
To do what? To ruin the church. It's a great bother to the evil one that we sit here this morning. And to ruin every member thereof and by their wicked stratagems to destroy all. There's a cosmic battle that we're a part of. The devil is strong, but Jesus is stronger. He's the strongest. Fear not for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Consider the words of King Hezekiah as he encouraged God's people some years later. You'll find it in 2 Chronicles 32. When he said to the, the, the congregation, the covenant community, be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid or, or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there is one greater with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us. Beautiful words. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. The people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And all of this is given to us, congregation, for our comfort. You may be experiencing a very unsettling circumstance in your life. It could be a work situation, a family situation, health problems, all the struggles of life itself. What do we do when we live in a country that despises the Christian heritage upon which this land was once built? Do we cower in a corner then? Do we remain silent? Do we remember that God will be with us through thick and thin? God blessed his servant, just as he blesses his servants today. The eyes of Elisha's servant had to be opened, just as our eyes must be opened in faith. We pray for that for our children. We pray for that for that wayward brother that, we, that was spoken of earlier in the service, that, 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 that his eyes would be opened. Opened in faith, opened in, in, in believing faith, repentance in faith. The army of the Lord, this was certainly a, a, a very special occasion, circumstance. That army protected that one prophet. That word cannot be silenced. Russia tried to silence the word. They tried for many years. Couldn't do it. Other countries, 52, have banned the Bible. They will not succeed. And as Syrians have come to take Elisha a prisoner, a second prayer, a second prayer is sent to heaven asking the Lord to strike the Syrians with blindness so that they could not find him. And the Lord did as Elisha prayed. And then Elisha, as it were, captures the ones who were, had been sent to capture him. It's a, it's a great reversal. Open eyes, closed eyes. And he says, well, follow me. I'll take you to the place and the person you are seeking. And there they, they follow along as little lambs. And they're delivered up to their enemy without even knowing where they were going. We might say, do unbelievers, do 
those with hardened hearts ever know where they are going? Does our prime minister know where he is going? Oh, we need to pray for him. And doesn't our own sin strike us with a sense of blindness? Oh, blessed to sing, I once was blind. But now I see, you think of John Newton, that slave trader. He was so blind, so blind, but God opened his eyes. Only those who walk in the light of the word of the Lord walk securely. Don't forget that congregation. Don't ever come to a point in your life where you're just going through the motions. Jesus who declared, I am the light, the light of this world. Jesus who opened the eyes of the blind. Jesus who alone by his word and spirit can to open our eyes to see, to see. Now King Jehoram thought of them as his prisoners rather than as prisoners taken by the word of the Lord. He wonders, even asking Elisha for advice, if let's, let's get them out of the way, let's put a spear through them, should they be killed? Are prisoners of war to be killed? No. Rather, a meal of friendship is to be offered, and this put a stop to the banding marauders. The word of grace which the Lord had pronounced upon Israel for Christ's sake conquered Israel's enemies and put them to shame. And so we see congregation from our scripture lesson how God's office bearer shows God's great power and the majesty of his word. God's word protected that Old Testament congregation at that moment against its enemies. The enemy is powerless to do anything against God's word. We have to believe that. And then to know that the powerful word includes even justice for the enemy. God's people then had to learn, as we must again this morning, that it is by God's covenant promise that we are strong. It's only God's word that can protect us. Protect us against sin, even protect us from ourselves. And again, this morning, congregation, it's important for us to, to hear, to hear with our hearts the judgments of God's word, lest we refuse to walk according to that word. Apart from obedience to the word, we walk in, in bondage. And without true service to God, there is no happiness, there is no freedom, there is no prosperity, there is no real life. And so we do well to, to heed the word of God, lest we ourselves become blind. One more passage from Second Corinthians, this time from chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. God's word reads, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For what we proclaim also from this pulpit this morning is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Marvelous. Shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Congregation, may that light so shine in our hearts. Let's pray for it. Pray for it in your homes. Pray that we continue to seek that lamp that lights the path. Psalm 118, 105. And remember, remember well that the angel of the Lord encamps around his own, delivers them from all their foes, lest they be overthrown. Who is on our side? The Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, the highest in the heavens. And how blessed it is for us to know, fear not. Fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. To God be praise and honor and adoration. And may the Lord so give us that eyesight. We say that 2020 to see what we ourselves need to see. Amen. We bow before the throne of grace, Father, pleading for grace, thankful for grace. Thankful, Lord, that the people of the Lord have been given eyes to see. And Lord, we ask for those eyes to see more clearly. Uh, we pray, Lord, for that courage to be strong in the faith delivered once for all, that we need not then be afraid of what may be living in our society at large, that we may trust that thou art indeed the God who has planned the beginning from the end. And so, Father, grant that our faith may be strengthened, that we would have eyes to behold our great God, to behold our wonderful Savior and Redeemer, to take refuge in thy promises, to depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless this congregation. Give her what she needs to be mighty soldiers of the cross. And so, Lord, bless us on our way and bring us all back together this afternoon as we continue in the word of God for thy glory's sake on this Lord's day. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.